Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our show. Today we discuss a very important topic about uh, customer retention, how you can retain your customers longer because we know uh, acquiring customers costs five times more than retaining them without having great products, without uh, paying attention to your customers. You can't. That's why I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Andrew Michael. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Anatoly. Thanks for having me. Yeah, big pleasure. I want to learn more about that. I know how it's important. Uh, and um, I remember many years ago, I paid a lot of attention to acquiring new uh, to acquire new customers today. Uh, I don't. Uh, because uh, in most cases, uh, I understand if you can uh, retain customers longer, you can uh, even to sell more to existing customers like to double sales with existing customers and yeah um, many things change uh, uh, since this time andrew before we start just tell more about yourself experience background and why you decided to share with us about this topic why about this topic yeah um so yeah, a little bit about myself i'm a startup founder so i've uh, founded four different companies uh, i'm also the show host of churn.fm um hence obviously the topic that we're chatting about today and Chinafem really focuses on how the fastest growing companies use retention to fuel their growth. And we've had over 180 uh, episodes now on the show over three years. So we've learned a lot of lessons along the way. And uh, I actually started the podcast while I was at a company called Hotjar Analytics and Feedback, where there at that time also I spent a lot of time working on churn and retention for the business. Uh, made a lot of mistakes along the way, learned a lot of good lessons. And uh, yeah, it's obviously something that I'm very, very passionate about and uh, something that I used uh, to launch my new company now as well, uh, which is called Avrio. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, the man who has such background as you have uh, can't. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I think, you know, these people only share valuable insights. Uh, can you give me a strong reason? To subscribe to your podcast you know because i have a bunch of podcasts i, yeah. I love to listen to them because you know uh, when i walk with my dogs when i'm I, i'm driving to uh, from place a to place b when i'm training you know uh, i listen to audio podcast because i can save a lot of time even more you know when my eyes uh, my eyes are tired exhausted i can't watch to this blue screen uh, i love to listen audio podcast so Give me a strong reason to subscribe to your podcast because we have many other podcasts, million podcasts. So uh, any insights for my audience, for me to subscribe uh, to your podcast yep. right now? Uh, I think obviously the main thing is because of the hyper focus. Uh, we really just focus on churn and retention and subscription businesses. So uh, if you have a company and you're trying to improve retention in your business, uh, we speak to many different people from CEOs to execs to VPs, different stages of growth, different companies really just trying to illustrate that there's no silver bullet. Uh, like a lot of times you might hear the Facebook thing where we discovered that if you get five friends in 10 days, uh, you end up solving the problem. But that really downplays all the different inputs that go into it. So the podcast, what we really do is we try to understand all the different aspects when it comes to it, what are all the different inputs, and then how you can bring those all together into your business and really try uh, improve retention because ultimately it's going to be the biggest fuel for growth uh, for your business. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay guys you can find the link to this podcast in the description below um uh, uh I, andrew i have the first question 
where to start. Uh, for example, uh, you know, let me share my story. Uh, interesting story. Uh, for example, um, you know, once um, I decided to pay for uh, gas, uh, but my bank uh, blocked my card. I don't know why. So what I did, I called to them and they told me uh, if you go to the office, you can we can decide all your issues. I came to the office, uh, spent some time, but uh, a manager told me, uh, you know, she can't decide this issue. I need to call to call center, uh, to uh, security team. Then I wasted like uh, a few hours waiting for this response, you know, to listen to this music that uh, I don't like it, but uh, I did it because I need I needed to unblock my car. Then uh, I got the manager who told me I can't decide, but you need to stay in line and uh, uh, someone will decide. And after uh, I don't remember exactly like uh, I wasted five, six hours. Uh, when someone told me, okay, sorry, the, it happened. Sometimes we need to analyze uh, weird transactions. So we blocked your card. Right now we unblocked. I wasted five, six hours. And, you know, I felt I need to change the bank. You know, the first thought, because uh, I have no time, five, six hours to decide small issue. Uh, uh, the same, I have uh, problems with uh, Facebook. Uh, or LinkedIn or many other places where I can't get response immediately. Most customers are impatient. They want to get replies now. Any insights how to do it? You know, if you have a lot of customers, for example, like my bank, uh, I think uh, it's not because they don't want to decide my issue. It's because of resources. They have no resources to help uh, immediately. Uh, any insights how to do it, how to provide an awesome uh, customer service? Yeah, so I think customer service is obviously one aspect when it comes to churn and retention and how you can uh, resolve uh, your customers' issues. I think thinking about like focusing on customer service first is probably not the best place to start because ultimately if it's got to the point where you're already frustrated, you already have these issues, uh, it's normally too late and you've already normally made that decision by the end of it to say, okay, there's obviously like if you can resolve this the issues quickly and it's something that's manageable and doable, uh, that's fair enough. But more often than not, it's always better to be focusing on like the root causes to begin with. So uh, what caused that issue to start with, like from a product perspective, as you mentioned, like it got flagged uh, for uh, issues when it came to perhaps uh, fraud. So that maybe the team needs to be working a little bit better on their fraud detection uh, as opposed to like how you can scale support and how you can serve it. Because ultimately, that's how you can scale support is by reducing the number of bugs in the product, reducing uh, the friction that your customers are facing. Uh, and then the second thing as well, I think, is like thinking about uh, the different routes and ways that people can resolve their own uh, problems and challenges. So a lot of different companies, they have different means and mechanisms for people to reach out to their support. They have help docs that you can self-serve. They have uh, chat channels that you can reach out to. There's obviously uh, voice and, and calls themselves. So there's different aspects when it comes to customer service. I would say like for me, it's like Andrew from a from the podcast experience and things like that's almost like the last resort. And having great customer success, uh, service can really save a few customers once they get to that point of frustration. But really, it should be starting over like the onboarding, the way you help companies and people get started with your product and service, uh, the product and service that you do deliver. Uh, so yeah, I'd say the, the best way to reduce and to have great customer success and support is 
have a great product and have a great experience when people first get started. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think marketing can't help bad products. It's impossible to help bad products. And uh, even more, you know, great marketing can destroy bad products fast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I opened your LinkedIn profile. And uh, let me read your quote. Sharing research and insights is messy. Can you clarify that? Uh, why it's messy and uh, any tips how to find a much better way? Yeah. So obviously that uh, comes from the company that I started called Abrio. And essentially Abrio, what we do is we help teams analyze and share customer research more effectively. Uh, this is a problem that many companies face as they start to grow. Like once they get to about 80 to 100 uh, team members, research starts happening in different silos throughout the company. Information is not shared effectively and research gets repeated and good insights are never put to work. So uh, what we do at Avrio is we help people analyze user interviews. So through our service, you can upload your user interviews. We automatically transcribe them for you. And then we give you various tools to analyze uh, the information from them. So we do automatic question detection and summarization so that you can instantly share clips with your team. And you can centralize all the research that you are doing in a centralized a repository that's searchable and uh, anybody can have access to within the organization. So in most companies, documents and uh, research and interviews, they're scattered all over the place. And what we're doing at Avrio is really trying to help bring that all together and then using AI and machine learning to help automatically synthesize uh, the information for you so you can make better product decisions and uh, ultimately build better products for your customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it, valuable. Okay. Uh... Can you tell me how to find the balance between data, research, and intuition? Because, you know, I remember uh, once I read a story. Uh, I don't remember exactly the name, but one of top managers of Apple uh, was hired in another company to be an SEO of this company. And what he did, he, uh, now he decided to take away all discounts for clients because apple doesn't provide discounts you know but uh he decided to take them away uh, and after that sales decreased 50 percent because he didn't analyze that customers are different now uh, on this specific brand uh, almost all customers are looking for these discounts you know for the best time to buy products so that was a terrible decision for him uh, and uh, it's not about research, it's more about intuition. Uh, for example, Gary Vee always shares about intuition. You know, sometimes we can't decide that research or AI can show to us, uh, but we can uh, understand customers because of intuition. Can you tell how to find this balance and don't make such mistakes? Yeah. So the company you're talking about is JCPenney uh, and the exec left from Apple to move to JCPenney. Uh, JCPenney was known for being a discount uh, store and yeah. that was uh, the reason why they had the customers that they did. Uh, so I don't agree with you that this is about intuition. I think this is really, really bad mistake on their behalf of uh -huh. using past experience and trying to apply it at a new place and expecting it to get the same results. I think that this issue could have been resolved if uh, the specific CEO at the time had actually gone and spoke to customers and done the research uh, himself. Uh, he would have quickly realized that like stopping discounts would basically cut their business in half because that was the only reason customers came to them to begin with. So I think this was a big issue with not doing custom research and just looking at numbers alone and looking and saying, okay, like if we slash um, 
the the discounts that's going to increase our margins and ultimately we're going to have a better business and on paper yes it makes sense uh like looking at the foot traffic and the, the numbers that you have but when you actually dive into it and understand like what is being said by your customers why do they come to you what are their motivations uh that's where you really start to realize okay like this would be a, a very very big mistake for the business because ultimately like numbers and data tell you what's happening in your business and the only people that can tell you why is the customers and speaking to them and getting feedback uh, from them so i think in this case like it could have been an issue resolved and i think it's an art and a science though of like how do you combine data customer feedback user research with your own intuition and your own understanding of where the market is going because a lot of the times as well like the customers that you have today are a direct result of like the marketing you've done up until now and the product that you've built, they may not necessarily represent the best opportunity in the market. So uh, from that perspective, it really becomes in an arts and science and your understanding, but the way you build intuition and you, the way you build confidence in your intuition is really from like knowing the data really well, speaking to customers continuously, and then developing your own hypothesis and understanding of where the market is moving to be able to meet the demand. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Awesome. Okay. Uh, uh, let's talk about customers' loyalty. Uh, I think, you know, uh, once I read interesting thoughts about customers' loyalty, and many experts uh, told that it's a myth, you know, because uh, customers are looking for better products, uh, they are looking for better solutions, and uh, they are loyal because your products are better you know, with their unique selling proposition than competitors have. But if they find something better, you know, they will change their mind. For example, uh, I use iPhone. Uh, I have a lot of Apple things like uh, MacBook, AirPod, many other things. But, you know, uh, for example, um, uh, I remember when I watched presentation about new Apple Watch uh, with Tim Cook, and he shared three stories how uh, Apple Watch can decide my problems. After that, uh i buy uh you know i bought three pairs for me for my wife for my son because they probably kill me you know if i uh, buy only for myself uh, uh and you know uh today by the way my apple watch you know the atlantic ocean owns my apple watch right now things happen but you know it's interesting that um i try to compare this apple watch with other products online i bought a few uh, a few other pairs for uh 50 dollars 100 dollars but uh, I got it. Apple Watch is much better than existing products. Uh, then I compared AirPods with uh, other headphones and got it no way. You know, uh, I uh, paid uh, $250 for AirPod Pro. Then I bought other uh, analogs like uh, Meizu. I don't remember exactly all brands, but they're good as well, you know. So uh, for $40, $50, so you can save a lot of money, you know. Uh, can you tell? Uh, about um, unique selling proposition. Uh, for example, you know, I think uh, we have many competitors, we have many other great products, but how to uh, create the feeling for customers that your products are better or uh, highlight your strong side on trying to, you know, to take all sides of products just about your strong side to retain them longer? Yeah, so th there's quite a lot, I think, when it goes into retaining customers and customer loyalty and that side of things. I think um, what you're talking to now, I think a little bit more is around like the marketing and the brand uh, side of things and what attracts us uh, and keeps us sticking around with uh, specific brands. I think ultimately because, like as you mentioned, that 
if you're building the best product and you're delivering the most value, that ultimately is always the best way to retain the customers because they're going to look and say, okay, um, there's nothing else on the market like this. Like I'm getting the best value. And, and I think typically it's normally a cost first value matrix. So like, what does this product or service cost me? And cost can be like how much money I spend or how much time I need to invest in it. Uh, and then the value that comes out at the end of it, whether it's like saving me time or whether it's uh, giving me joy or uh, if it's like uh, affording me to be able to listen to music wherever I go. So a lot of businesses, like if they put together this matrix and they really start to understand, like a good example might be Facebook, social network, uh, people uh, love it or hate it. But one of the reasons like the investment that you give as a user, like is your time. So you're spending and you're giving your eyeballs Facebook is extracting value from those eyeballs in the form of advertising. And the value that you get back is the entertainment, is that dopamine hits every time you think. So if Facebook all of a sudden starts to fill their feed with just ads and you're not seeing anything that you're getting the dopamine fixed from, your cost becomes a lot higher for the value ratio that you're getting back from the service. Uh, so a lot of like these products and services, everybody needs to really have like a good balance between um, the amount of effort or the amount of money that people spend on your products and the cost versus the value that you're delivering. That's one side of it. But then the other side, I think that you're also alluding to is like the impact. And what I feel also has a very big impact now is brand itself. So I think by building a really strong brand, you can uh, build some level of uh, customer loyalty because there are definitely, like you say, like products out there where Apple is way, way better. But there are other products that Apple does serve that there's other products on the market that are ultimately better than those. But because you've become accustomed and attuned to the way that Apple positions themselves in the market, the way that they associate themselves with sort of the innovator, the creative, like you want to associate yourself with that movement, similar to the way that Nike does uh, with their athletes and winning. So there is an element with where customer loyalty can be influenced by brand uh, as well. But Brand alone is not enough. Like the products themselves then need to match that uh, and they need to, to be combined. And so if you're thinking a little bit about, I think at an early stage, like brand is very difficult to influence. You really don't have the capital, the money to uh, to deploy. But as the company grows and as you start to scale as a business, uh, thinking about brand early and thinking about the way you position your products and services in the market uh, can really help with uh, customer loyalty. But mm -hmm. I think what you mentioned in the very, very beginning is that Ultimately, maybe there is no such thing as customer loyalty. And if somebody else comes up tomorrow and has a better way of positioning the product and has a better thing, I think that also holds true. But the way you fight against that is like speaking to customers, knowing them better than anyone else, positioning your product in a way that you think is going to hit them hard and like empathize uh, with them. And then just building a great product because you understand them better than anybody else. Yeah, valuable. Uh, I think if you want loyalty, you can buy a dog. You know, a simple way <laughs> to get a loyal friend, <laughs> probably customer, I don't know, because dogs can treat many diseases, uh, psychological diseases, you know, to, uh, I don't know, to spread positive uh, mindset. So, yeah, <laughs> but uh, customers uh, are smart. Uh, people wanna get uh, you know they can change hard earned money with products if they believe that these products cost more than their money yeah it's simple okay let's talk about how to learn 
customers. Uh, you know, even if you have great products, uh, I think all great products become obsolete in one day. You know, because uh, that's why many companies uh, invest a lot of money, resources to update products, uh, to innovate them. Uh, and can you tell how to learn customers in order to improve your products, how to get insights, uh, their pain points, what they have and to think, okay, I have a product, uh, but uh, uh, my product can't satisfy 100%. Uh, what to do next? Uh, any insights about learning customers? Yeah. So I think the first sort of thing to think about really is who is your ideal customer profile? Um, trying to like look at your data, speak to your customers. There's like we could speak a whole hour about this topic alone, but really just trying to understand like what makes the best fit customer for you, who gets the most value from your product, who's willing to pay you the most, and who sticks around the longest. So once you have a good understanding of like the firmographic or demographic properties that make up these customer base, then that gives you a way to weight the feedback that you're getting, and it gives you a way to be able to speak to make sure you're getting and collecting feedback from. Uh, the right types of users. Um, once you have that, then I think like a really great way is just speaking to customers, user interviews, and really trying to understand like what are their pain points, what can be improved. Um, there's a few really good questions that I love always asking uh, to new users. And from a new user perspective, it really is like when you first came to our website, like what nearly stopped you from signing up for our product or service? Um, what persuaded you to sign up for a product or service? So. These give you two things. Like one, it tells you, okay, like what you maybe need to fix on the positioning front uh, in order to be able to like get more people uh, less concerned about your product or service. And then the what persuaded you, you maybe want to highlight those and emphasize those quite a bit more. And the same questions can then also be applied to your customers when it comes around time to renewing their contract. So a lot of businesses will like look at people that churn out and try to speak to them and say, okay, like, what could we have done better? But the best place to actually look at is those that are successful, what made them successful. So instead of going to speak to a customer who's just churned, speaking to a customer that's just renewed their service or just come back for the second time and asking them like, what nearly stopped you from coming back again or what nearly stopped you from um, renewing your product or service? Because you're much more likely to get really, really good feedback from people that are still using your product or service because you know that they have invested interest now as well, and they want to see the improvements there. And then the second thing uh, as well is that people that have churned, they're very, very hard to get a hold of. Like nobody really wants to give, they need to be incentivized heavily. And uh, ultimately it's like time you invest trying to get information from them and out of them becomes very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, can you share practical tips, how to reach out to customers and ask about uh, your products? Yeah. So, I mean, depends like what type of product you have. If it's a digital product, there's quite a lot of tools on the market that enable you to automate and send out surveys and uh, add uh, widgets to your site, like a, a feedback widget. Hotjar is one of those uh, products or services where you can collect feedback instantly from your site. And the next thing is just emailing them. Typically, like whatever business you have, if it's physical, digital, like you have an email address uh, from there, you can send out an email and say, um, hey, we're busy conducting research. A lot of the time still you need to incentivize, like people's time is valuable, so you need to be uh, incentivizing them. But then when you are on the call, like other things that I always really like to emphasize to them is that like it 
it's not valuable for us to just like sugarcoat things and be nice. Like, please be as blunt and direct as possible because that is the only way we're going to get good information uh, from this call. Like, and I always say to them, like, I promise there's nothing you can say to me uh, that will offend me in any way. Like, please, please, please uh, be blunt and direct. And this is something I picked up from David Dominant at Hotjar as well. And it's a really, really great way to make people like drop their guard a bit so they don't feel like they need to be nice to give you feedback. And you can really dive then into like sort of what are the root causes and problems uh, that lie within your product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, great, great. Okay, uh, uh, let's talk more about innovation. Uh, you mentioned that you use AI uh, to uh, analyze, analyze data in your approaches. Can you tell uh, how AI can help you uh, to improve your product to retain your customers? Yeah. So we use uh, AI within our product to be able to automatically synthesize user interviews. So a lot of the time people will speak to customers, they will like pick up two or three things and uh, they'll just feed that back to the team. But then a lot of time, like there's cognitive bias. So that individual that's spoken to the customer may understand one thing and somebody else understands something completely different. And second, like you don't know the vol like the volume and the severity of that problem as well. Like you hear it from one customer, but are other people mentioning these things? So um, the way that we use AI uh, within our product is that we, firstly, we transcribe those calls for you. So you have a written uh, form that can be searchable then. So you can search through uh, all interviews, all transcripts and understand like where mentions of specific pain points uh, arise. The second thing we do is then we detect every question that's ever been asked. Uh, so that you have a catalog then of questions that have been asked in interviews, and you can quickly jump to responses from uh, user interviews with short-form summaries. So uh, it's something that you can quickly easily share. And for us, the next step that we're building now within the product is to be able to give you a summary of responses to specific questions. So if you ask one customer a question, you can take that response to your team, but if you have 10 customers, you can share that across with all um, of your customers there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm interested about, and, by the way, uh, you know, my dogs. Yeah, sorry about that, my all, son just ran through. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, my dogs always love to take part of my podcast, you know, to ask some questions. So, but you know, you're running uh, with, it, a, with a mask now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, by the way, it shows that it's, uh, you know, live conversation without, uh, um, you know, for example, I, I like. To listen to audio podcast with Gary Vee, and he doesn't care a lot about sound, but he cares a lot about value. So <laughs> value is more important. <laughs> okay, yeah. Andrew, I have the question about how it's, uh, you know, for example, um, uh, I love using AI tools, uh, but I usually correct data. I usually edit them because I can't get the final results with AI tools. Uh, uh, can you tell how uh, data from AI is accurate uh, and uh, uh, how much time you spend to correct or fix this data? Yeah. So I think it all depends what you're using. And I think you're probably referencing something like ChatGPT, which is uh, everywhere these days. Um, and I think the, these tools are general purpose, so they're built to try answer a, a wide array of like requests. I think when you become uh, purpose built and you really engineer uh, your product or service around specific tasks, uh, that increases like the reliability and uh, drastically from that perspective. Uh, they're constantly improving as well, so um, 
ChatGPT uh, utilizes 3.5, like ChatGPT 4.0 is coming out pretty soon. So there's that aspect, but I think it all goes towards like so the general purpose or specific purpose. So if you're really focusing and building your product or service around a specific purpose, so one of the things we do is we detect the questions using our own uh, models, um, which is superior to things like GPT in terms of the uh, question detection. But then the summarization engine, uh, GPT, is is one of the best on the market, and we compare those with others. So I think it's like uh, it's an art and a science as well. Like a lot of uh, prompt engineering goes into it to truly understand what are the variables that deliver the best results. And yes, ultimately, like there are, it's never going to be 100% uh, perfect, um, but it gets close. And uh, yeah. the more you continue to work and evolve, the more you uh, feed these models and you continue to to teach them, um, they end up producing better and better results over time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once I decided to learn about uh, AI predictions about uh, trade market, you know, <laughs> it was a terrible mistake to, to, to rely on this uh, data. Of course, AI can analyze a lot more than experts can do. But, you know, sometimes experts can uh, feel another way because of experience, because of knowing something more than AI can do. So, yeah, it depends. And, uh, yeah, uh, I love using ChatGPT. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting that uh, I... Um, you know, and on this website, OpenAI, uh, I like using more uh, DaVinci 003. Yeah, it's paid version, but, uh, you know, I compared results and it works much better for me uh, than ChatGPT because, uh, you know, we have uh, a few features. Uh, on ChatGPT, you just write these comments, but but it's okay, you know, you can use both. Uh, you know, you can uh, compare and uh, yeah, what I like on AI that you can give uh, the right comments to teach uh, AI to get uh, great results. Okay, uh, Andrea, I have the question about your background. Tell me uh, why you have a guitar on your background. Uh, yeah, you hide in most cases, but I, I still see it. So uh, about your hobbies, uh, insights, uh, even... Uh, daily life yeah i'm gonna take this uh the guitar down now after this i was saying to you before we started chatting that uh i used to play guitar a lot very frequently um but since my son's born he ran in like three years old uh time and obviously having a startup as well like two babies in in the house there's almost mm -hmm. no time uh to be able to swim but definitely music is a big uh, hobby um so one of the recently just bought a like a midi keyboard as well to start trying to get back into producing music and playing around uh but yeah i mean i'm based out in cyprus uh, maybe something interesting uh for listeners little island in the mediterranean close to greece and my hobbies really is just like i spend all my time either doing the podcast or working uh, and then free time like when i do get a chance to go surfing like i love surfing uh from that side Nice, nice, nice. Oh, by the way, you know, uh, I found uh, one thing why people can't work, most people can't work more than eight hours a day because uh, their jobs uh, are not hobbies. You know, for example, if you have your job like a hobby, then you can work 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day because you can replace your common hobbies like watching TV, I don't know, uh, name them. So with your job and uh, that's why I can start uh early in the morning and uh finish 
uh, late in the evening. Uh, I can work on Saturday, on Sunday. For me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt me because I love what I do. That's it. You know, it's simple. And uh, I remember when I had uh, a business, uh, uh, I tried to earn money with this business. I failed. Uh, I wasted resources for three years, a lot of resources, my time, money. Uh, then I quit. I quit because I got it. It doesn't make me happy. Uh, and uh, I need uh, to enjoy the process. Uh, and if you don't like your job, that means it's better to leave it and find something else because you know you, you'll never really get. Uh, yeah, Andrew, I have the question about uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today to learn more about customer retention? I'd listen to Chain FM. Um, <laughs> no. uh, I think there's there's quite a lot of good material out on the, the internet. I think one of the courses I definitely recommend to, to anybody is a course called uh, by Reforge. There's a uh, like a retention deep dive series. I think it's one of the best arts, uh, like high education uh, in the market as well. So I'd, it'd be a combination between just going out and like getting experience at a startup because I think nothing beats like direct experience working there. Uh, but then also there are like other resources like TrendFM. There's some other great blogs uh, out there and uh, some really, really good courses uh, that you can get started with uh, to learn as well. But yeah. Nice, nice. Guys, uh, you can find the link uh, uh, to the podcast TrendFM in the description below. Uh, I subscribe. I recommend to anybody else to subscribe to this podcast because you can see a lot of valuable insights. You can learn a lot more. And I love uh, podcast experience because of saving so much time, you know, uh, on this format. Okay, Andrew, I have the question about the future. Can you tell what kind of future will be? Can you predict the future on customer retention? Because Many things are coming, metaverse, uh, augmented reality, name them. So uh, any insights about the future and how to adapt today to this future? Yeah. So I think like as years go by, customer attention becomes more and more at the forefront of people's minds. And as competition grows and as the market evolves, I think it becomes more and more important to be able to survive in business today to really have it at the forefront of your business uh, when you're thinking about it. So I think definitely uh, there will be a trend more and more to where companies pay more and more attention to retention and less uh, like emphasis on growth for the sake of growth, especially in this economy now where uh, venture dollars are not being invested as heavily into companies anymore. There is less emphasis on just like growth for the sake of growing and uh, companies now are being uh, a lot more of them being demanded in terms of what are the unit economics looking like from a business perspective. So definitely over the next few years, there's going to be a lot more emphasis on like how uh, sustainable are these businesses uh, that have been uh, flooded with capital over the last few years. And with that, then will become like a whole wave of different people looking into the space, really trying to understand like what are the products or services we can deliver to do it. And I think now with especially things like ChatGPT and other AI services, the it, a lot is going to be democratized in terms of like who cares access to build uh, products and services now. So like really focusing on understanding how you're going to keep your customers, how you're going to retain them will give you a competitive advantage of your competitors because ultimately customers stay with you for longer. It means that their customer lifetime value is, is more for your product or service, 
which then gives you more room to invest into other channels for growth as well. And uh, you can double down and eventually push like your competitors out of these channels because you have the customer lifetime value that can support uh, a much higher cost per acquisition uh, on the other side. Uh, and ultimately then it just becomes like a reinforcing loop um, to help you move into the market. So definitely as less dollars are invested now into these companies, there's become a lot more tighter and strict guidelines in terms of how to build a profitable, sustainable business. Those that are able to retain customers are going to be the ones that uh, are the clear winners and leaders in this next market. Yeah, yeah, valuable. You know, I remember like 10 years ago, I set up marketing campaigns. And, uh, you know, um, I felt that if I invest uh, a dollar, I can get $2 back. Today, it's hard, really hard because uh, marketing costs a lot. You know, uh, pay-per-click uh, is around five ten dollars I paid, by the way, $0.05, $0.10, cents, <laughs> 100 times less. Uh, and today, if you want to acquire new customers and get back $2, you need to retain them longer. Uh, you can't go ahead without retaining customers uh, because of uh, the cost of acquiring these customers. <laughs> but if you can retain them, if your customers can bring their friends, then you can grow. Yeah, simple way. Andrew, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. Tell our audience the best way, how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, how to follow you. Yeah, so I'm available on most social platforms, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Andrew Michael SA is the uh, handle. And always love talking about this topic. So like if you're interested to chat a little bit more or maybe you have an interesting story that you'd like to share on the podcast of how you've tackled your attention, uh, please like reach out to me either LinkedIn or uh, Twitter and uh, my email as well as andrew at avrio.com uh, if you want to send an email directly there too. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time, Andrew. It's a big pleasure. Uh, a lot of value. Guys, I recommend 100% to subscribe to podcast, to open website, to analyze what kind of services Andrew can propose and his team. And use it. Use it because you can improve and scale your business. You know, uh, sometimes it's hard to scale business, but with the right services you can. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.